Well, for the final time in 2021, welcome to the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. This is episode number 126, where we're going to be recapping the 2021 season as a whole. And for the final time this year, I am your host, Chris Cato, and very pleased to be joined by my fellow backmarkers, Tyler McDonald and Shaker Barty, as we bid farewell to what was one of the best seasons ever in Formula One. So to help me break it all down is Tyler and Shaker. Good evening to you, gentlemen. How are you today? I thought you were going to. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to throw you off this for the last one, Tyler. I was gonna you did throw you. me off. Yeah. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, Chris, no, it's uh, great to be here at the end of what was a fantastic season in F1. Big 2021 season saw pretty much everything we could imagine that it, it could have dealt us. And uh, what a fantastic year it was for Formula One. I can't wait for next season, but uh, let's focus on recapping this crazy season that we had uh yeah man it's uh very excited it's uh kind of just want to get right into it to be honest like to recap this season it's it's very exciting Yeah, let's do it. There's so much to talk about that we're going to try and condense in this one hour or so. Just to let everybody know kind of the format that we're going to do here for today's podcast, we're just going to start off the show by discussing some of our favorite moments of the season, favorite races, things like that. And then we're going to go through the constructor standing. So as the teams finished in 2021, and we're going to spend a few minutes talking about each team and driver. Some teams, obviously, we're going to discuss in great detail. And unfortunately, maybe some of the lower end teams we're only just going to talk about briefly just because we have so many things to get to and obviously we'll get to your fan questions at the end of this episode so use the timestamps down below in the youtube's videos if you want to skip ahead to your favorite team or driver Um, if you're listening to us on an audio platform then uh, bear with us for this whole hour so let's buckle our seatbelts and and get this thing started and we're going to go with maybe not the easiest question to begin with but there's so many options to choose from just because we had such a great season but tyler i'll start with you what would you pick as your best race of 2021 or maybe just a personal favorite of yours that you saw this season? I told you I wanted to go last because I wanted to hear what you guys. <laughs> I, I threw a curveball at you too. Oh, man. Um, I'm okay, still well, I, deciding. I thought we were going to do this question last, but okay. Let's... I, I thought so too. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I get two options, you said? Sure. As many as you want. As many as I want. I'll go, I'll go with two options. Uh, I'm going to go number one. Uh, my favorite Grand Prix was, actually, you know what? To be, they're both Italian races. Now, my favorite Grand Prix was Imola. I thought that was a, an unbelievable race with all the dramatic dramatics happening. Lewis, of course, um, locking up uh, into the gravel trap and just being able to stay uh, on track or or in the race, should say. Of course, the uh, crash between Bottas and George Russell. Yeah, Nicholas Latifi have a, a moment as well, along with Mick Schumacher, and of course, the undulating uh, track with the rain. Uh, and going from wet to dry and, uh, you know, the, the very fine margin there was for error at that tight racetrack. I thought it was a phenomenal race and Max Verstappen ends up uh, coming out with a victory in that one as well. So just a, a phenomenal race, in my opinion. And of course, Monza, I think uh, maybe, you know, it wasn't the um, most exciting race, but I thought it gave the best, one of the best moments of the season. Um, of course, we had know lewis's car being uh mounted by max verstappen <laughs> you could say from behind and uh, that gave us one of the crazier pictures of the season but for me uh, you know having 
Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo finished one, two, of course, Ricciardo getting the race win, I thought was unbelievable. I was one of my favorite moments of 2021 to see those two up there and see McLaren do so well. And, you know, I felt for Danny Rick that this was something that uh, I was very happy for him to have. Okay. Yeah. Those are all pretty good moments there too. And Imola was actually on the top of my list as one of the favorite races of the year. And it was only the second race of the year. Shaker, I'll give you just a few more minutes to make your decisions and I'll go next on this one. So I think probably in tied into maybe the next topic that we'll talk about in terms of our favorite moment of the season. But of course, the final race of the year would probably be a pick of many of the fans just because of how crazy it was and everything that was on the line. But my favorite race of the season, maybe not in terms of the quality, but in terms of the dramatics and also my favorite podium of this year was the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Mm. I really enjoyed that race because the final 10 laps or so was just such a dramatic and crazy end to the race. You have Verstappen's puncture after he was in command and control of the lead and looked set to take a Red Bull 1-2. And then, of course, that really turned everything around. You had the red flag restart, Lewis Hamilton locking up into turn one, then Checo Perez taking the lead, eventually going on to get his first win for Red Bull, but also behind them as well. Sebastian Vettel with a terrific race all race long to get himself into that position to get P2 and then Pierre Gasly passing Charles Leclerc on the final lap to get the third place and AlphaTauri's only podium this season so my vote is for the 2021 Azerbaijan Grand Prix as my favorite because I love that podium with the three of them up there and especially at the time when Checo was still struggling a little bit to get used to the Red Bull for him to get that win was really really big and it kind of neutralized the championship as well because both Verstappen and Hamilton didn't end up scoring so just a great day in general in back so shaker have you picked one yet <laughs> i picked one for sure and it's gonna be it's definitely gonna be monza obviously with the crazy accident and everything and danny rick's win you know as tyler mentioned um i had a hard time kind of like narrowing it down to two between france and spain and you're probably gonna be like oh what but like honestly <laughs> When have France and Spain ever been in contending for a race of the year, right? <laughs> uh, and yeah, I'm just feel like finishing watching like the highlights of the Spain, uh, Spain, uh, Spanish Grand Prix. Grand Prix. But um, yeah, I like I I have to. It's hard to narrow down between the two because like like I said, I've never found them to be exciting. But I'm gonna go with France. I think oh. I'm gonna go with France. Uh, Sergio Perez getting the podium, you know, uh, big Red Bull one-two finish, and I think this is at the point where uh, we were kind of like, oh, Red Bull might actually be in contention to, you know, actually maybe be in constructors as well as a world championship. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with France. I'm uh, I'm very surprised none of us picked Hungary. I kind of left that out there because I thought that's what you boys were gonna pick, but that's an all the other crazy race with Esteban Ocon getting, of course, his first race victory. I'm saving that one. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I, I I mentioned it right before the race, but uh, yeah, that's that's gonna be coming up later. I'm surprised both of you left out the 2021 Belgian Grand Prix. I mean, what a I classic was that a, was! Yes, I was gonna make a joke about that as well, but you, nice one. Yeah, George <laughs> Russell, big podium for George Russell. That's right. Uh, I was, it was funny. I was going through, I was texting my buddies, and they were like. Um, Oh, it's always Max versus Lewis, and I said, "Like I, you know, he, he doesn't want to watch because it's a two-horse race." I was like, "Well, if like you'd be surprised, there was um, six different teams with podiums, and then I completely, or it was five. Then I, I had to text him back and be like, just kidding. There's one more. George Russell got a podium in Belgium. Yeah, <laughs> completely forgot about that.'" Um... Yeah, I mean, like, I was, I was like mentioning it, Tyler. Like, Netherlands was also in my contention, but that was more because of like 
just the overall like domination of Max Verstappen that entire weekend and just to see all those Dutch fans finally be able to have a home Grand Prix for like I guess their world championship winner now so yeah it's I mean I'm even more excited to see what it's like next year so I'm sure they're gonna be have a great home Grand Prix for Max yeah it's probably going to be really insane next year and of course Max will be running the number one on his car next year so it'll be a lot of MV1 merchandise around the Zamvoort circuit so those are all great races you guys mentioned and there's a plenty of more really solid races like Shaker were you bringing up France and Spain really interesting strategic races as well but also just exciting with the championship on the line it made some of these more boring tracks here's another one I'll throw in there Russia Sochi could have been the race of the year with the rain and Norris leading and then not the switching onto the the slick tires and the heart or the intermediate tires so Altogether, the tracks that normally we kind of fell asleep on and weren't really looking forward to doing many race recaps ended up being some of the most exciting. So those are just some of the couple ones that we mentioned. I'm sure there's probably a few more that were really exciting that didn't make our top three or top five. But of course, comment section is wide open for our fans as well to let us know what your favorite race of 2021 is. So that does it for our favorite race. Now, I wanted to ask you guys just to pick out one moment from this entire season. This might be even harder to do because there's so many. There's big ones, there's small ones. But if you could pick just one moment that maybe brought you the most excitement, brought you the most joy, or just really made you the most happiest of watching Formula One this year, could you pick one moment out of the 21 races that you really, really remember going into next year? I think the obvious one is Max crossing the line and, and winning the world title um, and the, the pure emotion that comes out of that. But for, I, I'm going to stay clear of that and I'm going to pick the reason why I, I picked Monza. And that's the one, two for McLaren, the only one, two this season for any team on the grid. And I just thought it was so deserving for not only Daniel Ricciardo, for Lando Norris, for Zach Brown, and the entire McLaren team from what they uh, you know, had uh, just a few years back to where they are now and how strong their form was, especially at the start of the season. I thought that um, that was such a a special moment and uh, one that, you know, McLaren will look back on and cherish for a long time, I'm sure. And who knows, we'll we'll see more of that next season. We won't won't know what's going to happen, but I love that moment for both of them. Um, So this is where I bring back Hungary. (laughs) (laughs) I I, uh, mentioned this to Tyler right before we went on, but... I have shit talked Esteban Ocon a lot. (laughs) And just to have him uh, turn that entire, you know, like come back with Renault, uh, well, I guess Alpine now in his second season uh, to be, you know, the Frenchman leading the team and get a podium for them for the first time in a long time. Uh, I thought it was going to be Alonso that did it. So that, that, I think that is my, uh, my favorite moment of uh, 2021. Uh, And obviously it was a great race overall as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm taking this away from the fact that Max won. So that is my favorite moment. But this is just like one of those moments that I can be like, yeah, okay, I can I can take back my words about Esteban Ocon and be like, good for him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was actually going to be my my moment as well, because I was going to say what you said, Tyler, off the top, which is my number one moment definitely has to be when Verstappen crossed the line and hearing that outpouring of emotion from a first time world champion was something really, really special to witness. But I think the next one for me would be Esteban Ocon's first win. And the same thing when he crossed the line and the emotion of that victory is what really stood out to me for 2021. So we didn't really get many different winners this year outside of obviously Max and Lewis. So to get a first time winner 
in Esteban Ocon was very, very special. And unfortunately, we didn't get to see other drivers get their first wins. You know, Norris was close a couple of times. But I think that that was a really, really special moment. And the other one, too, you know, George Russell's P2 in Belgium. You know, that one lap there was extremely special. And also Lando Norris's pole in Russia, just to throw in an honorable Mm. mention, was a, a pretty, pretty cool moment to see. So those are just some small ones there that we could maybe pick out. But like we said, there's so many from the entire season. And of course, the majority of them come from the championship battle between Verstappen and Hamilton. But we're trying to put a little bit more spotlight on the ones that weren't affected by the championship. So just a couple of our favorite moments there. Now, before we move on to reviewing all the teams and the drivers and how their seasons panned out, the final question I'll pose to you guys is who would you give your driver of the year award to now? Small caveat to this list, obviously, one of the most obvious choices is going to be either Max or Lewis, and I think probably the three of us would pick Verstappen as the driver of the year, of course, being world champion, 10 victories, 10 pole positions, setting the single season record for most podiums with 18. So we're not going to do the obvious choice. So outside of Max and Lewis, who would you vote as your driver of the year, Tyler? Uh, This is a tough one. I had three drivers that I was really trying to decide between, Um, but I think I'm going to pick Pierre Gasly. Um, I thought he was unbelievable this season. He had some great form, obviously only the one podium in Azerbaijan, but I think he deserved a lot more than that. And he had a, you know, a few fourth place finishes, a really good qualifying uh, pace throughout the season and really showed uh, that he is such a talent, talented driver. Of course, he had that win last season and I know he was looking for another one this year, but I, I think that Pierre Gasly is uh, one of those hidden talents that you know might not be hidden for much longer if a big team kind of sniffs and, and picks him up. Um, I'm on the same boat, Tyler. I had three. Um, Pierre Gasly, Sainz, and uh, Lando Norris. I'm going to go with Sainz's first year at Ferrari. First one to get the podium for Ferrari this year. Um, ended up coming back and beating Charles Leclerc, his teammate. So I'm going to go with Sainz, driver of the year for me. Um, I was not expecting him to do so well in that car this year. So, Both excellent choices, and I, I like the science one there too. He was tied with, well, he sort of was tied with my driver of the year and somebody he knows very well, his former teammate, Lando Norris, who I would pick as my driver of the year because I think that despite the fact that in the final seven to eight races, McLaren had a lot of struggles and a little bit of bad luck on Norris's side, had quite a few punctures in Qatar. And then in the final race as well, if you guys remember those, but really up until Russia, he was just outstanding all year long. Like you mentioned, Tyler, he was second in in Italy, securing McLaren's 1-2 and the only 1-2 finish in all of 2021 for McLaren. So very well done to them. But just going up with that, he had multiple podiums this year. The pole position in Russia had the race victory almost in hand in Russia, had the weather not changed so drastically. And he'll learn from that, obviously, going into the next season. So I just think when you also look at McLaren losing third in the Constructors' battle, which we'll talk about in just a few minutes' time, you know, a lot of that was not because of Norris's performances. It was the second driver there not holding up his end of the bargain through the first part of the season. So Norris, for me, is my driver of the year. Now, if you guys are curious to find out who the F1 team principals voted as driver of the year. I do have the list up right here. Uh, maybe, interesting. Yeah, maybe some some interesting here. Now, I believe the only team principal to not vote in this was uh, Mattia Bonato of Ferrari. But here's the team principal top 10 drivers of 2021. We have, of course, number one, Max Verstappen. Number two, Lewis Hamilton. Number three, Lando Norris. Number four, Carlos Sainz. Number five, Fernando Alonso. Six, Charles Leclerc. Seven, Pierre Gasly. Uh, George Russell in eighth. 
Ninth, Valtteri Bottas and Esteban Ocon rounding out the top 10 drivers of the year. What do you guys think of uh, the team principal list there? I- I'm surprised Pierre Gasly's that low. I thought he'd be higher than seven. I, yeah, I thought Pierre Gasly would have been like top five for sure. Um, who is number three? Lando Norris. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, as a great overall team, yeah, McLaren did w- above my expectations this year. So, um, and number five, four was five Carlos was- Sainz. Uh, five was Alonso. Four was Sainz. I like. I feel like the only person I drop maybe by one and like replace with Pierre Gasly is Alonso. There, I think that's it. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I would agree with that. I was surprised to see him all the way down. And, like, I was surprised to see Charles Leclerc ahead of Pierre Gasly. That I don't yeah, really yeah. agree with. <laughs> that one was surprising for sure. Yeah. And Bonotto didn't even vote, so that's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. Ferrari's paying Haas and, and uh, <laughs> I know, Ferrari. put some votes there. Yeah, probably they are. <laughs> yeah. But it's an interesting list nonetheless, right? Um, mm-hmm. But that's uh, just kind of the poll that they did at the end of the year from the team principals. So. That'll do it for uh, just a little bit of the, our favorite little moments of the season. I'm sure some more will come up during the rest of this 45 minutes or so. But let's dive right into reviewing all the teams and the drivers for this season. And we're going to go through the top 10 list in terms of where they finished in the constructor standing. So we're going to start with Mercedes, first of all, who we do have to mention in regards to all the drama that happened in Abu Dhabi. They did win their eighth consecutive constructors title, which is just an astounding record in Formula One that I don't think will ever be beaten. And I know that they're extremely disappointed, and they still are disappointed, even though we're recording this actually seven days later from the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. But I think that they have to look back and see that eighth Constructors titles is an absolutely incredible achievement. And they've really, really had a solid end to this season, which put them in contention for even the Drivers' Championship going into the last race. So just looking at their stats, they have nine wins in 2021, 20 podiums. Lewis Hamilton finished second in the driver's standings with eight wins, while Valtteri Bottas was third in the driver's standings with one win and 11 podiums. So starting with you again, Tyler, just give me your general thoughts on Mercedes' 2021 season. And in the earliest prediction of this year, when we did our podcast preseason, you and I both predicted Mercedes to be top of the constructor standings. So even though they lost the drivers, they still got the grasp on the turbo hybrid era in terms of the constructors. Yeah, I, I think that um, this should be a season of fight back for Mercedes because they weren't the best car to start the season. And especially midway through, I mean, if you look between the Monaco GP and the Austrian G- GP, that's five races, five wins for Red Bull in a row, um, which at that point showed that Red Bull has the fastest car this year. But um especially in the last four races of the season, I thought Mercedes did a great job of clawing back and finding some sort of innovation that um, worked really well for them and provided a a very, very fast car and the best car on the grid at the end of the year. So um, it's, you know, a bittersweet for them. Of course, Valtteri was celebrating because, you know, he won a a constructors championship, but uh, you know, half the garage wasn't celebrating. So it's almost a forgotten, awkward eighth victory for Mercedes. You you know, this, you know, they'll enjoy getting the sweep of the turbo hybrid era or or whatever you're going to call this era, because next era, we don't know what it's called yet. Um, But in the end, you you know, they wanted to have the drivers sweep the drivers and the constructors for eight years. Yeah, I mean, it's 
it was kind of expected that Mercedes was going to win the constructors at the beginning. Um, and to, but yeah, it was just uh, kind of surprising to see Red Bull kind of claw back and from uh, over over the break and you know did what they did for the first half of the season. So, um, I mean, overall, it was a great season for them. They still won constructors, but like it's yeah, it's kind of like a half glass full, a half full uh, situation there. You know, like you you won constructors, but did you didn't win the world championship? So, did you really have the best car on the grid, even if you won constructors? So. Yeah, and that's actually a fan question that we'll get to at the end of the show in terms of who had the faster car all year. But yeah, it's a mixed bag of emotions, like you guys said, for their whole entire season. I do think that in many ways with the way that the season started and the run that they went on in the mid-pack of the season that you mentioned there, Tyler, in a lot of ways they were lucky to have the Drivers' Championship at least come down to the final race because of just how good Verstappen was in the first 10 to 12 races of the year. I think that Red Bull, which we'll get to next, kind of slipped a little bit in terms of their pace after you know the the Holland GP and in, in Italy, for example. So I think that Mercedes will be looking back on it to say, look, we ended the season very strongly by making some little upgrades and updates to our car. And I think that in the beginning of the year, they really struggled to find the setup of the car, the ideal setup going to these tracks. By the end of the year, we saw that they really knew their car inside and out and were able to set it up very well to where they were fast in the race, they were fast in qualifying, having those fresh engines at the back end of the year certainly helped as well. So it really was a good season again for Mercedes. But before we move off of them, I just wanted to get your guys' quick thoughts on obviously the aftermath of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Mercedes did not eventually end up appealing because... They said that they would have a pretty decent legal case on their hands, but no way that the decision would get overturned in terms of giving them the world championship instead of Verstappen. So they decided to go against it. Their fan base is still extremely upset seven days later. You know, a lot of the fans, neutral fans at least, have moved on, but they haven't moved on yet. And of course, Mercedes did not attend the FIA prize gala. Total Wolf and Lewis Hamilton were absent. So just some quick thoughts from you guys on them, you know, kind of putting putting a rest to this whole drama and moving on to 2022. Well, well, I don't know if I would call it putting a rest to it. If they put a rest to it, they would have showed up at the prize gala, Total Wolf and Lewis Hamilton. That is, I was just really, really disappointed by that. Um, especially from a seven time world champion and an eight time constructors champion. You know, I thought that was very petty um, to not respect Max Verstappen and, and, you know, hand the trophy over to, to him. To, it was his reign. And, um, you know, Lewis has had a lot of accomplishment in his career. I think it would have been nice for him to um, be there to congratulate others on their accomplishment. And, you know, Valtteri was there. Uh, James was there to receive the Constructors' Championship. Uh, you know, there were some Mercedes members there. But, of course, the, the two main characters, you could say, in this season, Total Wolf and Lewis Hamilton, were not. So, um, yeah, the, the, not doing the appeal doesn't really changed my mind on, on on everything that was going on um you know obviously they weren't going to overturn the world championship you know it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out um but yeah i'm very disappointed for them uh for not attending the f1 prize gallery it, this could all be just be avoided by just handing the world championship right then on the podium thank you and then you know you have a, a prize gala as well too sure whatever but i don't know anyways i mean this this is going to be like a uh stupid metaphor but uh, but there's a reason you know in every sport they shake hands at the end of the game 
you know, because whatever was happened on the court or on the ice or whatever it was, you know, you shake it off afterwards. It kind of seems like that's what the gala is here. And it seems like they didn't really shake it off. Um, you know, they just kind of, you know, avoided all eye contact. And they're like, you know what, we're kind of okay with this situation. We'll just let it slide. But yeah, it, it was kind of, like Tyler said, it's kind of disrespectful, disrespectful to not show up and uh you know be that eight time world constructor championship and se- and seven time world championship winner and not be there for the next you know person um so yeah yeah just to add my two cents the f- part that i found really disappointing was look i understand that they were ex- incredibly upset with the FIA they still are uh you know 7 days later of course i don't know if you guys saw clips from total wolf's press conference it was <laughs> it was strange to say the least like i said i understand that they're upset but it just felt a little bit like a drama show, honestly. You know, he had the turtleneck on. He kind of looked like, you know, a, a Bond villain type character. And, you know, it was like somebody died, honestly. That's how they were acting. And it's like, you know, like you said, Tyler, for eight-time world champions, it was not necessarily what I was expecting, regardless of the fact that they have every right to be upset. You know, the rules were broken. They weren't followed correctly. They have every right to be frustrated and pissed off. But as you guys mentioned, too, I think that as the world champions, if you weren't going to go to the gala, don't go for the FIA, of course, but go for your team. Go for the 1,000 people working for you. The worst part is, is that, you know, the world championship cars are brought to the FIA gala. So the WEC car was there, other world rally championships. Mercedes didn't even bring their Formula E world championship car to this gala as well. So, you know, why punish them when they have nothing to do with this, right? And like you guys said, you know, Valtteri and James are there, but Toto and Lewis aren't there. I would have just said, you know what, let's just suck it up. And we're not going to do this for the FIA, but we're going to do this for our team that we won the Constructors' Championship for. I understand they had a big celebration at Brackley a few days ago, which was nice to see. And, and uh, you know, they're all congratulating there. So that's that's fine. But yeah, I, th- I would agree. I think I would have liked to see them go there and at least pay those respects to their fellow competitors who they said, they, you know, Total said all the right things that Verstappen and Red Bull had nothing to, to be blamed for. You know, they were deserving champions. But yeah, it was just a, a little bit unfortunate to see that happen. Understandable, I guess, but it's nice that uh, at least on our end, you know, we're kind of moving past all the drama and everything. But there's even oh, some... That's until there's a spy gate at testing next season. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, but here's another area to this conversation before we move off of Mercedes for the final time. There's even rumors now of Lewis Hamilton possibly even retiring because he's so disillusioned and disappointed with Formula One, which I just think that's ridiculous. And I think that Total Wolf was playing up the drama when he answered this question to say he's not sure what Lewis is going to do. I mean, look, I think this is ridiculous to suggest that Hamilton's just going to give it up after a loss like this. I, I absolutely don't see it happening. I mean, what do you, what do you guys think just quickly on that topic? Uh, if he retires, I think that's going to be the most disappointing decision in possibly f1 history would be worse than the fia's decision <laughs> i mean will it, every, will it will it? be everyone <laughs> wants to see lewis hamilton race he's one of the greatest of all time we want to see this battle between him and verstappen mature and keep going forward it's phenomenal for the sport and it's phenomenal for lewis's career to have that sort of you know amazing battle yes he had the rossberg one but he dominated the rest um in the mercedes i should say the mclaren one too you know that's a, a special moment as well for his first world championship but we, we want to see the battle between Max and Lewis. And for Ma- for Lewis, pardon me, this is his time to shine, to come back and to avenge his uh, last lap loss this season. Uh, you know, if you're Lewis, in my opinion, if I was Lewis, I would be 
chomping at the bit to get back in that car for testing and try and dominate another era. Yeah, um, I kind of agree. Like, you know, Lewis has fought three real world championships that he's actually had to fight for, uh, including the one this year. Like all the, you know, the other ones, yeah, he ended up winning. There was competition, but, you know, there was there was no clear, we, we knew Lewis was going to win it at the end. And to like not go and be and be the record title holder after being this amazing competitor throughout the years, this, you know, um, Lewis has achieved so much, you know, he used to be this quiet, shy guy who came out of this race. And now he's like, everybody knows Lewis Hamilton's name and you can't. And like Tyler said, it's, it's great for F1. You know, how many people tuned in this year to see Lewis Hamilton, the seven time world championship winner, this, you know, guy who's been here for so long, fight this 23 year old, who's going to win his first world championship. And that rivalry should keep growing because it makes both of them better, not just Lewis, you know, not just it's making the entire grid see what they can achieve if they, you know, they keep doing what they're doing. So I, I, I agree. I think it would be a huge disappointment if Lewis ends up retiring this season. I know Seb really wants it, but unfortunately, I, I don't I don't see it happening like <laughs> No, neither did I. And that's why I was just curious to ask you guys, but I figured that that would be your answer. So yeah, I think maybe just playing up the dramatics a little bit, but he'll take some time off. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, imagine that though, right? Who's going to partner George Russell then in case that scenario happens? I I know exactly who it is. Valtteri? (laughs) No, no, it's it's Lance. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, yeah, I could see that happening for sure. And then Nick DeFries would move into Aston Martin. Mm. That would be my prediction. Sebastian Vettel going to go to Mercedes? <sighs> no, I don't think so. Yeah, no. Different driver, you know. <laughs> Probably not now. Yeah. No, Wouldn't yeah. see it now. Yeah. Well, we're getting into our crazy 22 predictions <laughs> yeah. already. <but laughs> anyways. It, it has begun. Silly season. Silly yeah. Season. yeah. <laughs> Well, starting it early. Okay, so that will do it then for Mercedes, of course, uh, Constructors' Champions for 2021. So the next one that we're going to move on to is obviously on the flip side of things, which is the Drivers' World Championship team, which is Red Bull, who finished second this year. Just looking at their season stats, 11 wins altogether, 19 podiums. You had Max Verstappen, of course, the world champion, finishing at first with 10 wins and 10 poles, and then Sergio Perez finishing fourth in the Drivers' Championship with one victory and five podium finishes. So what are your boys' thoughts on Red Bull as a whole? They had a shot at the Constructors' Championship. They did have a great season as a team. They helped create the closest Constructors' Championship battle ever. Of course, that went down to the final race as well. Had certain things not gone their way, of course, with DNFs and unlucky crashes. They probably could have been Constructors' Championship champions as well. But Tyler, just some thoughts on Red Bull season as a whole, and then of course their drivers for Stappen and Perez and that partnership, how it ended up working out. Yeah, again, it was a season where they um, they started off really hot and, and they were definitely favorites for the World Championship, you know, at the midway point. Um, but in the end, you know, it, they just lacked. I'd say they lacked innovation on the car in the last quarter of the season and that's what cost them the world championship and whether they're focusing on 2022 who knows i mean i i would be if i was red bull as well i don't blame them um but you know they they got the rug pulled from under them uh, by mercedes at the end of the season but all all in all a very successful season for red bull and they should be happy with the second place that they got i know it's kind of you know counterintuitive when you're red bull but um 
it, it was a very impressive season. And the partnership between Max and, and between Max and between Sergio and Max, um, <laughs> that worked out very well. You know, I thought Perez added a very good fight for most of the races. Uh, obviously, there's a few races where we were questioning whether or not uh, he was the right teammate. Um, but in the end, I, you know, clearly, I think he was, and that's good, a good partnership for next season as well. And, you know, I think for what Sergio did, bringing Lewis closer at the uh, at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, I, I think they have to keep Sergio after that one because Max was uh, very happy with Sergio uh, making that move and holding Lewis Hamilton up. Um, yeah, I mean, Red Bull was fantastic this year. I, just like everything worked for them this year. You know, they... They got the luck that they wanted finally at the end of the season. Um, you know, I think they, I was just counting. I think they won eight fastest laps throughout the year. I think Mercedes won 10 or 11. So, I mean, they, they really brought competition this year. And that's what kind of what we've been asking from Red Bull for the last few years now. And to, to finally see it happen and all work out for Max. And I wasn't, I think halfway through the season, I was not too sure with Sergio because obviously he was he was he was there I was just in terms of the podium finishes to get the constructors but yeah just the end of the season Sergio was amazing you know he was that perfect uh, number two driver that Red Bull and Max needed to to get uh, him the world championship and you know at one point um, uh, I think they can get constructors as well so we'll see I think out of the two teams, Sergio Perez ended up playing the biggest X factor in the championship, way more than Valtteri Bottas. You could argue that Bottas was better throughout the course of the whole season, but in very specific, important moments, Sergio Perez was far better, like the race in Abu Dhabi, where he was up there, qualified in fourth, and then ended up being in the podium positions all race, helping out Max, whereas Valtteri was down in sixth and sometimes even eighth place, unable to help his teammate. And go back to other races as well. France, like you mentioned off the top of the show, Shaker, that was an important race with Checo finishing in P3, being in Hamilton's pit stop window, forcing Mercedes into limited strategy options. His defense on Hamilton in Turkey was another fantastic effort as well. The USA Grand Prix helping Verstappen out in terms of strategy. So he had his rough moments this year, Sergio Perez, but I think he had a really, really strong 2021. And the thing I liked about Red Bull this season was after all the years of the number two driver controversies and dropping drivers and the dysfunctionality sometimes we saw of the team they really became a cohesive group in 2021 where they were all working together to achieve the common goal that they finally achieved which was to beat mercedes and get the drivers championship and they love sergio perez now i mean max verstappen outright said that he would not be world champion without sergio perez so They've really created themselves a nice family cohesive group at Red Bull, which I think is good for the next couple of years. Unfortunate they couldn't get the Constructors' Championship, but the big one really was Max Verstappen and the Drivers' Championship. And we talked about him a little bit in the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix recap. Just an absolutely phenomenal season from his standpoint. And the thing that really surprised me about him this year was just how calm and cool he was under the most pressurized moments this year. His home Grand Prix in Zamvoort, the final race here in Abu Dhabi. I was waiting for him all season to finally have that moment where the pressure got to him. And it took until the, fi the second last race of the year when he crashed in qualifying in Saudi Arabia till we finally saw a little bit of the pressure getting to him. But I know he's only 24, but it was just incredibly impressive to see how good he was in his first time battling for a championship against one of the greatest drivers ever, no less. Um, yeah. I, I, th I think you already mentioned it, but I think um, like the common goal thing, I think the Red Bull, you know, 
they never knew their they never accepted their identity a few years you know up until this year you know they are fighting to get max the world championship they're not also fighting for constructors and i think after they you know finally focus in on that got sergio and sergio Perez in a spot to do it where i like it seemed like mercedes was had two battles you know they had their world they had their constructors and the world championship battle with um with Lewis and it kind of seemed like Valtteri was on his own too. He was fighting his own, he was fighting his own fight. Uh, so, you know, where it seems like Red Bull was just a co cohesive unit throughout. Yep. A hundred percent. So I think that'll wrap it up then on the two championship contenders for this year. That'll probably be our longest little spiel about the, the two teams. We're going to speed things up a little bit here and go down the rest of the constructor standings. Third place, Ferrari. And we have to say what an incredible year from Ferrari to come from where they did in 2020, finishing sixth last season. And of course, just being a, one of the worst seasons ever. But they ended up getting five podiums this year, two pole positions, courtesy of Charles Leclerc. Carlos Sainz, as we already mentioned, fifth in the Drivers' Championship, four podium finishes. Charles Leclerc ended up finishing seventh with only one podium finish. But I do have to say that excellent signs for Ferrari's recovery heading into next season because last year they looked absolutely awful. They were the seventh best team at certain ports points of 2020. So in the carryover year where not many changes happened, of course, the floor changes and elsewhere, but I think that third place for them is an incredible, incredible achievement considering McLaren's form. So Tyler, just a few thoughts on Ferrari's 2021 season. Yeah, we definitely didn't think at the start of the season that they would finish third. We definitely thought it'd be McLaren who are miles above the rest, but a great job by Ferrari to come back and to snag third position. That's huge for them, not only for um, you know pride, but for prize money as well. Obviously, they get paid a lot of money, <laughs> Ferrari, if not still the top uh, out of anyone. And, um, uh, of course, that's kind of slimmed down with the cost cap coming into effect next season. But if they can continue their innovation and, and be up to where Ferrari should be, obviously, they're going to be um, title contenders. If we could you know, see the trend, they sh could be and probably are favored to be up there for a title for next season and to be at least fighting for race wins at a consistent basis, which will be nice to see to have three teams fighting at the top again. And hopefully there's more than three teams fighting at the top. Um, but yeah, what a, what a night and day season from last year to this year for them. Yeah. Cause I think we were originally told that they weren't doing any like huge developments for 2021. Mm -hmm. They were going to save their money for 2022. So yeah. Um, and I think I mentioned it signs was a huge surprise for me this year, uh, how you pulled together for Ferrari. Um, a huge season overall for them as a team as well. And it seems like Sainz and Leclerc get along very well as teammates. Uh, it's kind of nice to see that because we, we saw what happened in 2020 with uh, Vettel and Leclerc. So it's 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 kind of nice to have both those Ferrari drivers fighting it out and see what happens. And it seems like they have respect for each other. You know, if see the other drivers doing better than the other, they let them through and they, they, they're working really well together as one unit, so. I think probably the most the driver most surprised with Science's first season at Ferrari was Charles Leclerc because yeah. he's going to need to step his game up a little bit because Science probably the best driver in terms of adaptability. I mean, he's been on three or four different teams in his young career and he's always been on it from the onset of his career at a new team. So, I am a little bit surprised though just how well he fit in with Ferrari. Like we mentioned four podiums versus only one from Charles Leclerc. I know Leclerc did have some bad luck this season, but I expected him to be a little bit higher than 7th in the championship. So, he's got a lot of work cut out for him next season with Science and they are good buddies now. They're getting along well now, but 
if they are fighting for the championship, I think we could see that relationship dissolve pretty quickly because Sainz is probably one of the more underrated drivers on the grid. And I think that he'll absolutely give it 100% to try and be a world champion. So watch out for that Ferrari team next season. Hopefully they'll be at the front fighting with Max and Lewis. That would be quite the treat. And the driver, the team that they grabbed third place from this season was, of course, McLaren, and that was the secondary battle going on all season long. Pretty disappointing for McLaren. They had a really good first half of the year and then eventually lost out the championship in the final third of the season. They had one victory this year, courtesy of Daniel Ricciardo. Five podium finishes together. Lando Norris bringing four of those. Norris finished sixth in the Drivers' Championship versus Daniel Ricciardo, who was eighth in the Drivers' Championship. And as we mentioned a little bit earlier, only team to score a 1-2 this season. So, it's kind of strange how they had such a good year. They looked like they were on for third place, but I think that Daniel Ricciardo's early season struggles really came back to haunt them at the end of the year because they ended up losing out to Ferrari, who had a much more balanced approach with their two drivers. Yeah, I mean, obviously a very hot start to the season with uh, Norris getting uh, two third-place finishes in Italy and in Monaco, and then followed by another third place in Austria. And then, of course, you had the one-two in Monza, but that was the last time we would see them on the podium uh, for the season. Uh, it was a complete nosedive almost, it seemed like, which was very surprising. I mean, um, it, it, you know, there's a lot to take out of the season for McLaren and to have that pace. But uh, like you mentioned, um, we were talking about, well, Daniel Crow just wait until the summer break and then he'll turn it on, which he did. Uh, we, you know, we weren't wrong on that because we saw that trend happened, uh, happened when he moved to Renault. Um, and obviously this is the same trend. So I would expect a lot more from Daniel next season. Yeah, he's comfortable with the car and comfortable with the team. It does take him that half season to, to settle in and be more fluid, but um, yeah, it's, it's still, he, he kind of have to think yeah, it's, it's unlucky for McLaren who probably should have had third place uh, this year. Um, I'm not sure what happened to the car at the end of the season, but it was not, you know, up to pace with what it was at the start. I mean, they got a P4. Uh, for uh, oh, they're still they're still yeah. really good. It's yeah. just you know the way that they were hands down going to be the number three team, and then slowly but surely Ferrari crawled back. I I totally agree. I, I think uh, I I was going to say it earlier, but yeah, I I totally thought McLaren had uh, constructors you know third position in the bag this year with sign. Uh, sorry, with uh, Norris and Daniel Ricardo. But yeah, like like you said, it took Ricardo a little bit to kind of get going. I think Norris was pretty much there all season, but he just needed that. T- you know, he last year, the year before, he had signs. He always had signs there uh, to to help him out. You know, they can work it out as a team and you know get those points finished that they needed. And you know, if one of them wasn't there, the other one was. So um, yeah, it was kind of unfortunate with Daniel Ricardo's season. Um, really uh, impressed with Lando Norris. I. I I think the one thing I do have to say was I was actually kind of hoping for more improvement from Lando Norris this year. He was still there. Like, don't get me wrong. Like his improvement was there, but I think I was just expecting a little bit more, but I think that had to do more with the car itself than Lando Norris as the driver. Um, and, and like you said, I like, I think you mentioned Tyler would kind of started to fall off towards the end of the season. They got a couple of uh, qualifying laps here and there, but uh, nothing huge, but I do have a question for you guys. So the big thing, you know, last year with Signs and Lando Norris being on the same team was, you know, we knew Signs was a better driver, and then now he goes to Ferrari, and you know he shows up Charles Leclerc, who was there, been there for a few years, does ends up doing better than Lando Norris 
by 4.5 points in the driver's stands. And who's the better driver of them, the two now? <laughs> is it going to like, who's going to end up being the better driver? You know, like Lando Norris is younger. He's got, he's still got a lot of experience um, to gain, but I'm, I'm genuinely curious to see where they end up at the end of their careers. Yeah, it is a good question. I think for now, I'd say science is the better driver because he beat Lando in his career at McLaren. And of course, what he did with Charles Leclerc this season. So I think I'd go with the edge to science just because he is a little more experienced as well. But Norris is very close. But I think that Norris just has a few things to shape up in terms of his race pace. Over one lap, he's incredibly quick. You know, had the pole in Russia, almost had a front row start at Imola. But I think I'd give the edge just to science a little bit here. But it will be interesting if McLaren and Ferrari are able to fight for championships in the coming years to see those two in two different teams battling out on track will be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's so tight between those two, and of course they're good buddies, and who knows what the future will hold uh, with Lando's development and Carlos's development. Um, but I, I would agree, as of right now, it would, if you were to hand the better driver award, it would go to Carlos, in my opinion. Not by much, but... Yeah, very close at the end of the day between the two. So to round out the top five of the constructor standings is Alpine, formerly known as Renault. Of course, it was Alpine's debut season in that regard under the new branding. And slow start to the year, but boy, did they come on strong really as the summer break began. One win in 2021, two podium finishes. Fernando Alonso Alonso finished 10th in the driver's standing with the one podium finish recently in Qatar. And Esteban Ocon finishing 11th in the driver's standings, of course, with that infamous victory in Hungary. And Alpine's a little bit of a strange team because they were supposed to be expected to be fighting for championships by this point with the plan that they had ever since they came back into F1. But certainly they're nowhere near at that level anymore. But it was an interesting season. I mean, they started off a little bit rough. They at times looked like the sixth, maybe even seventh fastest team. But Fernando Alonso, after kind of having some early struggles in the year where Esteban Ocon was getting the better of him, he really found his form you know, mid part of the season and after Hungary, he was just absolutely stellar. And we really got to see that two-time world champion coming back on the grid with his defense against Lewis Hamilton in Hungary, of course, his drive in Qatar. But just overall, his consistency was much, much better at the end of the season. And Esteban Ocon did far better than I expected him to, excuse me, uh, against Fernando Alonso. And I think the only comment I'll make about Alpine before I throw it to you guys is I was surprised just how well they all work together. I mean, they have an excellent, seems like a family environment at that team where they're all working extremely well together. All those earlier reports about, you know, Alonso's toxicity and his difficulty to work with doesn't seem to be true at all. And they've built a really good repertoire amongst themselves. So I was pretty impressed to see that. But what did you guys think of Alpine's season this year? Yeah, like he said, maybe the opposite opposite trajectory as what uh, McLaren did, um, where you know they started off slow and, and had a really good end of the season. And if they continue that development to 2022, I mean, I know Alonso was saying hopefully we're going to be up further next season, um, and, and he thinks they will be, which is very impressive. I wonder what kind of car they're going to be bringing next season. Um, but you know, it, it was a solid year for Alpine. I thought that um, you know it was great to see. Fernando really come back into his form at the end of the season, like you mentioned. Um, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do next season with a full year of you know shaking the rust off and everything uh, that goes along with that to be back into F1. And for Esteban, I, I agree with you. He really impressed me this season. Um, you know, I've always enjoyed Esteban Ocon. And I, I thought, you know, I always 
thought he was a, a very good driver. Um, and he got to showcase it a bit this year. I, you know, the race win is awesome for him. I'd like to see him um, not have that kind of up and downs that w- we see a lot. You know, he has a good race, a bad race, good race, a bad race. Um, it'd be nice to see a little more consistency from Esteban. But, uh, you know, he's a very talented driver. And if it gets the right car under him, you know, he can really make some damage. Um, yeah, I, I, if you had told me Alpine was going to be fifth place this year, probably would not have agreed with you in the first, uh, you know, first half of this season. Uh, but yeah, they, they really fought back, man. And I, I think they were, you know, I say fought back, but they were almost, almost there all season, you know, just, they were always getting those uh, top 10 finishers, even though they were lower, always fighting, you know, the mid table teams and, you know, not just, it was interesting too, you know, like Alonzo with great overtakes all season as, um, I think Esteban Ocon would have to be from a few years ago to be my most improved driver, and and just you know he great season, especially those last three races. He started you know P three to be fight, fighting Lewis Hamilton and Max, um, holding them back, and you know I, I think he had a fun season too. He was posting memes all season, so uh, <laughs> no, it was Alpine had a Alpine was great, and and like you mentioned, uh, Chris, the the toxicity from Alonso. I think we mentioned it. We don't know how it was going to be with Alpine because technically they're still Renault. It's the exact same team minus a few people here and there. So, um, and and it looked like Alonso had a lot of fun. Um, you know, he have fighting all the younger drivers this year, and you know, seeing the competition that's there. I think there's a lot of uh, one-on-one fights he got in with uh, with George Russell and even with Max, and you know he really enjoyed himself out there, and that's what you want to see with a two-time world champion returning after you know after a retired season. And great to see that fire from him at 40 mm-hmm. years of age to still have the drive and the desire and the passion to achieve more than what he's already achieved, which is completely astounding with the two world championships. So I love seeing him back this year on the Formula One grid. And like you said, hopefully he has the car to fight for the championship in the next couple of seasons. And good point you bring up there. I think if there was a most improved driver award to give out, it could go to Esteban Ocon because it looked a little bit sketchy at times last year against Daniel Ricciardo when he first came back into F1. But much like we saw Alonso this year finding his feet early on returning after a few years off, it was the same thing with Esteban Ocon, so excellent season from them. And Alpine really stole fifth in the Constructors' Championship from this next team who finished sixth, and Alpha Tauri, who finished in sixth, really, I think, should have been fifth in the Constructors, which would have been their best-ever finish in the standings. And we look at their season statistics, one podium finish courtesy of Gasly in Baku. Gasly finished ninth in the driver's standings with 15 points finishes, so 15 races in which he was in the points. His teammate, however, rookie Yuki Tsunoda, 14th in the driver's standings and only 7 points finishes. And Tsunoda only scored 32 points on the entire year, and the rest was covered by Pierre Gasly. And a lot of that was thanks to that big fourth place coming in the final race of the year. But Tyler, I really think that had Tsunoda done a little bit better in a few races, not had so many crashes, it really would have helped Alpha Tauri to get fifth in the constructors because Pierre Gasly was carrying the team all season long. Yeah, I mean, those are the, the rookie jitters and getting used to a season in F1. Um, but it would have gone a long way. And, and Sonoda came out of the gate hot. He looked like, wow, well, this kid is, he was ready for F1. And then, um, you know, it sort of kind of tailed off midway through the season. <clears throat> excuse me um if not later on in the season as well 
um, w- which is unfortunate for Alphatari. But I mean, Pierre Gasly, as I've mentioned, uh, is my was my non Lewis Hamilton Max Verstappen driver of the season, um, and, and for good reason as well. Like you said, he carried that Alphatari team and. Uh, most points ever scored by AlphaTauri or Toroso, that whole brand, uh, which is phenomenal for them. So yeah. um, who knows what next year is going to bring? I mean, it's kind of hard to, to understand. You know, sometimes they have a great car, sometimes they don't. It, you know, it's up and down for AlphaTauri. Um, but it, in the end, you know, I thought I think you can bring this as a very successful season for them. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I was expecting AlphaTauri to be in the fifth or sixth position. So I'm kind of happy they ended up getting it. Um, and yeah, I, I, pure Gasly, I think the, the switch over last, uh, you know, two seasons ago, I guess it wasn't last season, right? It was the season. Yeah, two that. seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, what he, what he, I don't know what he did over those, that season and a half, but he's just, I, if, um, he was definitely my, driver you know up there with my top three drivers of the season next to max verstappen uh lewis hamilton signs and uh pierre gasly i think he's really going to be carrying that alpha tari team for a bit and uh, he just fits in so well um with what they're trying to do and i and like you said i think yuki sonoda it's it's rookie jitters i i, I uh, he has impressed me this season um but but like he's a rookie he's gonna have his moments where he's not exactly sure what he has to do you know fighting uh all these uh experienced drivers so i mean in terms of uh, rookie of the season he's my rookie of the season i don't think there's anybody else i would vote for so <laughs> that's true right because there's only the the other two at Haas, which we'll get to in a few minutes time but i think based on results yes you would have to give it to sonoda as the rookie of the year but it's interesting tyler when you mentioned that that it's the most points they've ever scored in a season just underlines how good pierre's season was because 32 points only came from Sonoda. So I forget exactly how the number is, but it's over 100 or so points that Pierre Gasly put in. So, I mean, it's it's an incredibly stellar year from them, and it just shows that if Sonoda can live up to the potential, AlphaTauri has got a pretty good lineup on their hands. So uh, a decent year for them, of course, but uh, interesting moving forward for them as they try and kind of break out of that Red Bull B team uh, mold that they've developed over the years so then comes number seventh in the constructor standings as we round out the final four teams of this season and the team that was probably the most disappointing of this season which was aston martin and tyler you and i both picked aston martin to finish p3 in the constructors in 2021 so we got that astronomically wrong for this season but we weren't the only ones to pick that. Sebastian Bavetel picked that himself. <laughs> That's right. So, hey, I mean, we're in agreement with Seb. <laughs> so, But it was honestly going off of 2020, it was the smart pick to make at the time because they were getting the four-time world champion, the massive rebrand to Aston Martin, all the extra money and resources Lawrence Stroll was putting into it and the Aston Martin group. Everything looked like it was humming along. The awesome team launch that they had, it was like, okay, Aston Martin is going to maybe be another big team like McLaren or Ferrari. But the regulation changes really hit Aston Martin incredibly hard with the low-rate concept that they ran. And unfortunately, they did not have the solutions 
to find as Mercedes did with the same low rate concept. And it led them to having a very, very poor season. Only two podiums on their part. And I put an asterisk to one of those because it was taken away from Vettel at the Hungarian Grand Prix. So technically only one podium. Sebastian Vettel 12th in the Drivers' Championship with that one podium at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix with seven races in the points. Lance Stroll 13th place in the Drivers' Championship and only, excuse me, with nine races in the points. So just all in all, my only comment on Aston Martin is just a very disappointing and forgetful year for them after what was a record season in 2021. And they're really, really hoping that they're going to nail these 22 regulations because they could end up being one of these bigger teams fighting for the championship. But this was absolutely a season to forget for them. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that the 2022 season needs to be a huge comeback season for them because you know we all expected them to have a very very good car this year and it just wasn't there for them unfortunately they got the specifications wrong and yes of course the regulations attack the low rate cars Mercedes and Aston Martin Um, but you know no matter what you, you do have to innovate and try to come with the best car that you can and I'm not sure if they focus their direction in 2022 midway through the season I'm not sure exactly what their I don't know whole structure was um but I, I hope the case is that they come back with a stronger year in 2022 and, you know Vettel had a very solid season the stroll had his moments as well but it was nothing spectacular out of either of them um you know said looked like he had the most fun out there which I think is the, one of the most important and you know what we have to give him kudos he did win uh the award for the most overtakes <laughs> this season actually you know he won two trophies he also won the grill the grid trophy as well on the uh, F1 YouTube channel. So two trophies, technically three trophies, but you count the podium for uh, Sebastian Vettel this year. Obviously, they, don't, they all don't count uh, exactly where they should, but um, in the end, uh, maybe some consolation prizes to take home for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys that uh, it was you know disappointment, disappointing season for uh, Aston Martin overall. I disagree, though. I think they should remember this season as, you know, money can't buy everything. Um, Good point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and like, I think we, like you guys have mentioned, you know, we were expecting a lot from Aston Martin. um, And just to see that they couldn't adjust to any of it throughout the season, you know, it seemed like midway through the season, it kind of, they had kind of figured some things out. Uh, and then it's all the other teams made progress that went far beyond what they could catch up to. And it seemed like, and like you said, it would seem, I don't know if by that point they're like, let's just shift all our focus to uh, 2022. Um, Cause at the moment, do we have confirmed drivers? Like are Lance Stroll and Vettel technically confirmed? Yeah. Okay. I believe so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, 43 points for uh, Seb and 34 for Lance Stroll. Um, I would, I, you know, I would have liked to see them fighting uh, more Alpine and AlphaTauri this year. Um, so it's kind of disappointing to see if, uh, sorry, um, uh, McLaren and Alpine this year. So it's kind of disapp- disappointing to see in terms of what we were expecting uh, Ferrari to be. You know, we were expecting them to be, you know, seventh or eighth um, or six, sorry, sixth or seventh. So. Yeah, I, I, I hope they remember this season and, uh, you know, I hope they make improvements to that car because I think it's still the nicest looking car on the grid. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's a little consolation there for them. But I think Vettel had a good recovery year considering his 2020 season. Rough start to his life at Aston Martin, but eventually found his footing. 
But of course, like you said, Shaker, I mean, it doesn't matter what billionaire you have supporting you in, in the scenes with financials and otherwise, you still got to have a good car in order to challenge some of these other teams and drivers. And Aston Martin just didn't produce that one as well. So they didn't live up to the hype this year, but they can remember the 2021 as a good motivation to continue to work hard for the future. So they're going to really need a big recovery season for next year. But a team that had a pretty good recovery season and who finished eighth in this year's Constructors' Championship was Williams. And considering the last few seasons from Williams, I think that they had a pretty solid season that they can be satisfied with heading into the new generation of cars. They had one podium finish, of course, with the three-lap race at the Belgian Grand Prix. But nonetheless, it was a fantastic lap from George Russell in the wet on Saturday that put him in P2 to give him that podium. Russell finished 15th in the driver's standings. He had four races in the points. His teammate Nicholas Latifi was 17th in the driver's championship, and he had two races in which he finished in the points. So all in all, I think for them to finish 8th was probably the best target for this season, you know, finishing ahead of rivals Alfa Romeo and Haas. I think just a really good way to put the turbo hybrid era behind them as it was a good start to the turbo hybrid era for them, but of course a disastrous finish, but this was at least a good way to kind of get the Williams name back in the good spirits of Formula 1 and of a good send-off for Russell before he goes off into Mercedes. And I think that Williams have a pretty good outlook on their future now with Latifi and Albon for 2022 and the new investment capital firm that they have behind them. So all in all, I think a good, most improved team for 2021 had to be go to, go to Williams. Yeah, I would agree. And I was so happy to see them. You know, obviously the target, I think, was to finish ahead of Haas. Um but to to finish ahead of Alfa Romeo as well, it was I'm sure they are very happy with that situation. And they had a really good middle of the season where they found a lot of pace in that Williams card. And um, for George Russell, I mean, we know what he can do on Saturday, how impressive he is. And he showed that and it won him a podium, his first podium in Formula One. And it almost won him the whole race. Uh, you know, He <laughs> wasn't too far off of winning uh, or getting pole position and then which would have ended up him winning the race as well. So um Phenomenal year for him. Uh, still like to see him uh, be a little more um, you know, calculated on Sundays and have a little more success on Sundays. Um, but we'll see next year for him with a car that will obviously perform. Um, so we think. Um, for Nicholas Latifi, um, you know, I thought it was a very good season and a really, really good final half of the season. He, I think he showed a lot of people that he can drive pretty fast as well finishing ahead of russell a few times in qualifying um and in the race as well i believe a few times um you know he's got good race craft and he has good uh, tire management as well so if he can get a car from underneath him i think he can make a really good name for himself uh nicholas latifi and he's a fantastic guy as well um so we want to see good things for the canadian um i, I just really hope that uh you know like you said the new investment capital that is uh uh, controlling at Williams for the season and, and seasons to go on. Um, they find the innovation and, and the right stuff to be able to have a, a competitive car next year. Uh, yeah, I mean, a huge, huge turnaround year from Williams, you know, to obviously, um, uh, you know, still being under the Williams name, but uh, losing the original owners, uh, Williams, and obviously the passing away of uh, Frank Williams just, you know, just a few months ago as well. Um, so, you know, huge heartbreaking season for them as well. And two, I, th I don't think we were expecting them to turn around so fast. I think uh, maybe towards the end of the season, we had predicted uh, last season, we had predict predicted that, you know, in 2022 is probably where they're going to be investing most of their money to get ready for that season. And, 
to see an improvement so quick uh, with that, with uh, the new owners coming in. And it, it's really like to see that. And, you know, his uh, George Russell has just been fantastic in that Williams since he's been in there and got him a seat on Mercedes overall. And um, yeah, just great overall season for Williams. And I really hope they keep improving. Um, and, you know, Nicholas Latifi is definitely going to have the Canadian Dutch moment of uh, the year. So <laughs> it's... it's <laughs> Yeah, he, uh, he decided the championship, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's you know, to be in your second season, uh, you know, end up getting a few points finishes for Williams who who weren't expected. You know, I think he – I think uh, they did a uh, prediction thing at the beginning of the season, and I think uh, Latifi's prediction was that Williams will get points this season or a, a point this season. And he's like, you know what? We did that and we got multiple. So, yes, we definitely achieved that. <laughs> So yeah, it's uh, great for Williams overall with uh, with everything that's happened to them in this past year. Yeah, and a good point that you bring up there with the carryover season with you know the cars not being too different from 2020. It was an impressive season for them to get multiple races in the points from both drivers. I do agree with Tyler, your point there that Latifi showed himself a little bit this year and a lot of people are really starting to become fans of him. You know, he's kind of shed that pay driver moniker that a lot of people put on him when he entered f1 but he's showing that he has a spot in formula one and he'll have an excellent teammate with alex albon next to him for 2022 so i'm looking forward to another canadian staying on the grid and of course seeing russell move on to mercedes will be exciting but a good recovery year for williams racing and the final two teams of our championship we have alfa romeo in ninth and unfortunately, I don't have much to say about Alfa Romeo because they were just kind of that disappointing this year. Of course, the retiring Kimi Raikkonen, who made the best prediction of all at the start of 2020 or 2021, which was that he was going to retire because he knew way before any of us did. Uh, he finished 16th in his final season of Formula One with four races in the points. Antonio Giovinazzi all the way down in 18th place in the driver's standings with only two races in the points. And of course, he loses his seat to Guanyo Zhou, and he's out of Formula One. So just some quick thoughts on Alfa Romeo's 2021 season. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Kimi Raikkonen's retirement was sealed up in a gray envelope since March <laughs> is pretty incredible that, uh, you know, he, he obviously he knew a long time ago that this was going to be his last season. And uh, it's very, you know, witty by him to put that in there. And, and if you haven't watched, if you haven't watched the predictions video, even if you don't want to watch the whole thing, just skip to the last minute where Raikkonen, they do a full segment on Kimi because it is some of the funniest stuff you'll see. I mean, I I laughed at it. It was phenomenal from Kimi. Um, oh, you got to watch it. Yeah, you do have to watch it. Let <laughs> me that and way. I'm going to check that out. <laughs> if, it wasn't, if it wasn't for Kimi, um, you know, I, I would probably have nothing to talk about, about Alpha Romeo uh, from this season. Um, but, you know, I wish we would have had Kimi have a better end of the season. Um, yeah, end to his career. Uh, we wanted him obviously to, to do well and to have a nice send off. But um, in the end, it was classic Kimmy. Kimmy was Kimmy this season, and um, I think he had a, a lot of fun just being himself and trying to play that cool Kimmy card. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I don't have much to say about Alpha. I'm just going to talk about Kimmy as well. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but no, in all, I, in all honesty, I, I think I was expecting Alfa Romeo to be a little bit higher this year, and uh, to see them in ninth is kind of disappointing. Um, but yeah, I, I think overall, it's you know, it's kind of a Kimi overall season. He did kind of what he wanted, and in the way 
not, not the, really with the way that he wanted to go, but uh, I would have loved to see him do donuts with like Alonzo and Vettel and, you know, all those guys that he's raced with throughout the years and actually get to enjoy himself. I think there was another video posted from Kimi Raikkonen about what he's doing after Formula One and he's like, I don't know, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like the most Kimi moment you can have at the end of their career, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to do what I want at this point. So it's, uh, yeah, it's... Um, it's going to be sad to not see him in uh, F1 this year. And um, I, I just want one time for him to come back as like a pundit or something on <laughs> one and just see what he has to say. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a bittersweet moment for AlphaTauri, I guess, in the end, because they had two DNFs. It's sad to see Raikkonen leave Formula One, obviously, because he's a legend, a former world champion, and probably the most unique character we've ever had in this sport. So he had some good moments this year, some great wheel-to-wheel racing with his old friends, Sebastian and, and Fernando at certain times. But, you know, of course, it's kind of been a, a regression ever since he's moved to Alfa Romeo. He hasn't necessarily been on top form, but that car wasn't really where it was supposed to be after all these seasons. So disappointing for Alfa Romeo, uh, Antonio Giovinazzi as well, just not very many races in the points. And he wasn't bad in his career at Alfa Romeo, but I just don't think he did enough to impress the Sauber bosses to keep him around for much longer. So Alfa Romeo are looking to some of the younger drivers for their future. So best of luck to both Giovinazzi and Raikkonen and whatever they do. I think Raikkonen's happy to be on the beach right now somewhere and Giovinazzi's moving on to Formula E. So their futures are settled for the moment. So we finally reached the final team of 2021, and I'm sure this one will be a short one as well. Of course, Haas F1 team finishing 10th in the constructor standings with zero points, their worst season since their debut in 2016. Mick Schumacher, which we were all excited about and very kind of a feel-good story of 2021, seeing the young Schumacher make his debut. 19th in the driver's standings, two Q2 appearances, so he did have some pretty solid moments this season. Had an excellent race in Portugal all the way back in the beginning of the year. And his teammate Nikita Mazepin, this stat might surprise some people, 21st in the driver's standings. But we only have 20 drivers. <laughs> so, um, Robert Kubica, <laughs> well done, Robert. Yeah, if you guys are wondering how that is possible, Robert Kubica, who filled in for Raikkonen uh, in Holland, and Monza finished the race ahead of Mazepin, who actually happened to retire in both those races. So a bad season for Mazepin just got a little bit worse. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously Haas was focusing on next season. They said that from the beginning of the year. They're focusing on 2022, and this year was going to be a wash. And, and clearly, uh, it was. <laughs> it was a wash. Um, you know, they all start from the ground up and, and work their way into 2022, and hopefully we see them competitive in 2022. Um, but I thought Mick Schumacher um, had a really good season for what he was given, um, you know, I, he outclassed Mazepin pretty much every single race um, that they, they took part in and that they battled in. And, you know, Schumacher was usually always ahead. Um, I'm not sure what the uh, teammate comparison was uh, between the two drivers uh, who had more um, race finishes ahead of one another. Yeah, I, but I know. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. Sorry to butt in. I just know that because I was doing the video yesterday. The quality mm-hmm. gap was around six tenths on average. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Um, and, and I'm not sure if that says more about Mick or more about Nikita or a mix of both. Um, but something that we'll have to visit next year uh, when they both have a, hopefully a, a somewhat more competitive car. 
Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it, this was the season to get forget for Haas. You know, it, did, it didn't seem like they cared. They had some really good, I think they had the most, like, feel-good moments in terms of team radios that I've seen for Rick Schumacher and, um, what was his name? Um, whatever. Oh, um, Gary. Gary Gaynor. Gary. Yeah, I think, uh, but, you know, best feel-good moments to see between, you know, a driver and, uh, uh, what do you, and, uh, uh, sitting on the pit wall. So, I, I, yeah, I think uh, Mick Schumacher definitely showed moments where he can impress. And uh, I think next year with, you know, hopefully Haas did did do what they said and put all that money into 2022. And I would love to see uh, both of them fight. You know, I think um, I, I always like to see drivers turn them, you know, turn themselves around. And, you know, Mazepin's obviously going to be in the sport for a little bit. So, if, uh, if he wants to stay there, I think uh, I'd like to see him improve as well so yeah i will give credit to mazepin because he did improve throughout the season small increments but he did make yeah, some improvements sure. and you could argue that he kept the car in one piece more often than mick schumacher did who had just a little bit too many big crashes for my liking especially for a team like Haas, who are limited on money and resources so that was difficult but overall i think schumacher had a solid debut season of formula one the way he's building the relationship with the Haas team is very much like his father used to do at Ferrari, so he's learned quite well in that regard. And I think that he's shown a lot of potential in terms of all three of the rookies. Uh, him and Sonoda showed the most potential for a good future in the sport. And, you know, Mazepin, it'll be up on him next season if the car is better. To at The first task is to beat his teammate. So he didn't do it this year, and Mick, like you said, Tyler, outclassed him. So that's all really Schumacher could have done this season, and it would be nice to see him fighting a little bit higher up in 2022. But that'll wrap up the conversation on Haas and the top 10 teams in general. So thank you to you both for giving your thoughts and opinions on all the 10 teams and 10, or excuse me, 20 drivers of 2021. We are at the end of our podcast recapping the 2021 season. Before we sign off for the final time this year, we do have some fan questions that we're going to get to just quickly doing a rapid fire round before we sign off for this season. And uh, we appreciate everybody submitting these questions. And we do actually have uh, quite a few to get through. So I will waste no further time and get to the first question that comes from Martin Aguilar, who has three questions, actually. So I'll pose this to you guys and we'll give our, our quick answer. So first question, why is Lewis Hamilton so divisive or divisive? I never know how to pronounce that word. So divisive, divisive. Uh, potato, among potato, potato, exactly. <laughs> why is Lewis Hamilton so divisive amongst the fans? I don't believe because he has won many championships is the answer. So what did you guys think? Uh, yeah, I think it's just... Um... You know, with the whole rivalry this year with Max and Lewis, I think it's whether you're a Max fan or a Lewis fan, that fan base is, is very divided. Uh, the hardcores are at least, you know, the neutrals are, are not as divided, I don't think. Um, but I think it just has a lot to do with the drama, you know, with Lewis Hamilton uh, dominating for so long. You know, you have the crowd that are fans of Lewis and loving it and the crowd that um, maybe want to see a, a change as well. So I think it yeah it doesn't have to do with Lewis's personality for, per se, but just you know how dominant he's been and the rivalry that he's had with Max. Yeah, I I I, I don't like divisive isn't the word to use there, but I like there's always rivalry in sports. You know, you Messi, Ronaldo, LeBron, and you know Curry. There's 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 always going to be rivalry in every sport, and it it just what makes the sport so great to watch because you get to see these two greats you know one guy who's like 
mid thirties, you know, come coming to the forties at the end of his career, try to get this world record. And then you have this young driver, you know, who came out when he was 16 years old and had this entire team put trust in him to bring him, uh, bring them a world championship. So of course, there's always going to be divisive things, you know. It's always you know the young versus old, you know, new driver versus old. So it's uh, it's it's what makes the sport so interesting, and what so what makes every sport interesting. Yeah, good answers for you both. Uh, his Martin's second question is, is he's asking: Is Checo the perfect partner for Max Verstappen? Explain your reasons why or why not. Uh, perfect is a strong word to use uh, there. So if you're using the word perfect, I would say no, he's not the perfect teammate. He's a very good teammate for Max and does a great job there um, and will continue to do a great job next season, I believe. Um, but I don't think perfect is the right word for it. Uh, you know, I think that um, Max would need um, someone a little more consistent than Checo, and that's not a knock on Checo. Um, but he does have his his moments, just as Valtteri does, and well, you know, just like every driver does. Um, but he needs someone to push him every single race for the race victory, like a Lewis Hamilton, for example. And obviously, that will never happen. Um, but in my opinion, um, I don't know if there is even a perfect teammate that's on the grid right now for Max Verstappen. Um. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't say perfect teammate for Max, but I would say the perfect driver for uh, Red Bull, uh, like second driver for Red Bull, because um, he's exactly what they needed. You know, they needed a driver that knew they weren't going to be the number one driver, somebody who knew was going to put up competition with Lewis Hamilton, fight for those podiums and points, um, and you know, just just be there when he can be. And 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 he was, you know, later half of the season, there was a lot of positions that if he wasn't there, Lewis Hamilton would have gained those extra few seconds that he needed. But he just provided, he just, he, like I said, he's the perfect driver for Red Bull to, uh, to, you know, bring the, to get that world championship for Max, I would say. Yeah. Like you guys said, perfect might not be the word, but I think Sergio Perez is the ideal teammate for Max yeah. Verstappen. And you'll see, hopefully, in 2022, if he gets up to speed a little bit quicker, you'll see him be just the right teammate for Verstappen. Because I don't know exactly who would be the perfect teammate for Max Verstappen, or does it really matter at this point? Because Verstappen's at such a high level that only a driver like Lewis Hamilton could potentially match his level. So yeah, you kind of need a good balance, which I think Red Bull, since the departure of Daniel Ricciardo, have finally found with Sergio Perez in that second seat. Uh, so Martin's uh, final question is, what is the limit of amount of teams that can participate in F1? If there is a limit, explain why. Now, I don't know if he's asking in terms of the direct regulations, the the sporting regulations of how many teams can we have or how many do we want. But uh, I know, Tyler, you're all, this is like a question perfectly for you. Put more teams on the grid. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if there's a limit. I you know my personal limit would be 26 cars, so 13 teams. I think that's a... You know, it's not too clustery, but uh, it gives a you know a lot of drivers that maybe should be an F one a chance. Um, you know, I'm not sure. Again, like I said, if there is an exact limit in the regulations, but I would love to see 13 teams. And there's a possibility that we do have an 11th team come in. I know, um, I believe it's um, Audi, uh, Audi something. There's a partnership there that has a possibility of, of venturing sure. into F one. I mean. Maybe Chris will yeah. support Porsche Audi. I think so. Yeah, yeah. So I, that would be phenomenal. That that needs to happen, in my opinion. Um, it hopefully, it happens as early as twenty twenty three. 
um, and they get their interest in. But, you know, uh, for me, 26 cars would be great on the grid. Um, yeah, I. it's kind of hard to say, right? Like, it's almost you want to see more teams on the grid to have more drivers and like Tyler mentioned just to, to because there are such great drivers out there not just in Formula One around the world competing in different uh, d- different competition but just to have more drivers on the grid would make it interesting and I think would provide more competition in the actual races um, and I think it would make the whole sprint race situation kind of more interesting Um but like 20 is kind of like the perfect number, you know, 10 and 10, top 10 position, you know, you're yeah. able to stop. <laughs> it's, 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 a nice, uh, it's a nice round number. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if I'd go 13. I think I'd go like 12. I think I'd go with 24 drivers, I think would be a good amount. I feel like just those extra t- two drivers would be a little bit too much, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to go 12, my number as well. <laughs> but you know, if we can get one or and there are two extra teams, that's that's what we've all want. We've been talking about that for years, so it is a it's a pretty relevant question from Martin. Uh, so thank you, Martin, to your questions. He also says keep up the good work at the end of his question. So thank you for that, and we appreciate you uh, asking the question. So moving right along, then uh, we got uh, this user called uh, Darth Snarf asks. Uh, so you should each pick a top moment of racing from the season, which uh, we've already <laughs> done in the earlier, so we won't address that right now. And uh, also, what do you think of the new and changed layout tracks? And if you want them to return next year, uh, I personally want to see like five spots put on a rotation so that we can get some new tracks every single year to keep it interesting. And I completely agree with your final point there. And we've talked about this many times in the course of this season in our podcast with the ever-changing calendars that we should have a rotation of tracks like Imola and Portimao and the Nürburgring and things like that. So he's asking, what do you think of the new and changed layout tracks? For me personally, like uh, the changes to the circuit to Barcelona, Catalonia didn't really do that much to impact racing. I think the changes at Abu Dhabi, they were a little bit better, but I think that racing at Abu Dhabi is still not the most exciting. Some of the new tracks that we saw this year, of course, the big one was Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. I think that track is going to need some changes to improve the safety because we can't be relying on a racetrack to just give us red flags and safety cars to provide exciting racing. So I think that that will need to be changed. I do believe it has some sort of a place on the F1 calendar if we're going to go with these crazy amount of races. But yeah, those are just some of my thoughts on uh, on those. So what do you guys think about that question? Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, Saudi Arabia, like I, like you said, needs some safety improvements. Um, I'm not sure how exactly they're going to figure that out. <laughs> um, but that, that's up to the team over there to decide. Um, Abu Dhabi, I thought Karun Chandok and his team, or the team he works with, did a great job at re- refining that racetrack. Um, you know, there's a couple of spots that I think need a, a, you know, a change or two, um, but it, it, it looks a lot better and raced a lot better than what it did, in my opinion, uh, over the, the races before. Um, Qatar was phenomenal. I really enjoyed um, the so, so what was it, so high, so Lozale. whatever, Lozale, yeah, yeah. Uh, something there was no one there somewhere. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that track. Um, you know, I loved uh, Imola's back on the calendar and it's back on the calendar again for next season. And I do really like your idea of a rotating schedule. Uh, just uh, pulling up the schedule for uh, next season. Um, Singapore is on there as well, which is a race we haven't seen in a few years. Japan, a race we haven't seen in a few years. 
Um, so those will be very exciting to, to go back there. Of course, our home Grand Prix in Canada, hopefully we'll be back next year as well. And a reminder, Australia uh, is round three of next season. So there's four tracks right there that we haven't had in a couple of years that will be rotated back into the schedule. And Australia uh, has a lot of changes too. Yes, yeah. yeah, Australia does have a lot of changes. And we haven't gone there in a few years, right? It's been two years since... Two years, yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of agree. If having five rotating spots would be would be great because um, I think at the we what I forgot about Miami as well. Miami's getting a, a race next year, so oh, there's another yeah. new track. Yeah, um, but yeah, just I think we I think at one point in the season we talked about all the other tracks that were you know some of our favorite tracks around the world, and yeah, there's just so many to bring back. And I think uh, you know they raced at Nurburgring last year because of COVID, and this year they didn't go to Germany at all. I want to say maybe I'm wrong. No, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, like I mean, the drivers loved racing in Nurburgring. You know, it's just the entire atmosphere of Nurburgring. You know, it's got such history behind it. And uh, yeah, there's just I'm trying to think of other laps, uh, other uh, tracks. But um, it, it was kind of. Uh, did Brazil have a change this year? No, no, right? no, no, no. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree. Having a rotating, uh, rotating track would make it way more interesting. Um, I. I might get hate on for this comment, but I don't think they should race at Catalonia if they're going to do testing at Catalonia. I agree. I agree with you so bad. Like, I think I said this on the season preview. Like, if you're, you know, you're spending so many days in Catalonia, go race some other part of Spain, you know. Go to Portugal. Portugal was cool. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just like, you know, if you're going to do, or, you know, if they decide to choose some other track, I just, if you're going to do testing at a track, I feel like you should be racing somewhere else. Um, it just, uh, sorry, but I thought that was it. Okay. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. I apologize. No, it's Um, I think, you know, if you bring back the Valencia street circuit, maybe, um, there's a great video on YouTube. I forget the, the lad's name that did it, but it, they, he goes around the abandoned Valencia street circuit in the spots that were built just for the street circuit. It's really, really interesting. Um, and I highly recommend watching it. But I mean, they, they go there or go to Jerez or something, right? Like, you know, I think we're all tired of seeing Barcelona. And then doesn't France, the France Grand Prix, have like a bunch of different ways you can set up that track? Like, why not change it every year? Make it, make it interesting. You know, if you're going to do a France Grand Prix, which is, you know, we've never seen an interesting one until this year. Um, yeah. change it around. You have the complete capability to do that. And I'm sure the, you know, it would make it so much more interesting that they're not going to know, you know, maybe surprise them three days before the actual track date. It's like, guys, <laughs> this is going to be the track. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> or, out a hat. Yeah. <laughs> or have a different layout for every session. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you know, just like there, I think there's, there are some tracks like that on the grid already where they can change the layout of it. And, you know, if they, if they're not going to do a rotating track circuit like that, they can just alter the track a little bit to make it a little bit more interesting, not have the same, you know, exact uh, same race every year. No, well, good points by all of you guys. I think that was a pretty good answer to, to that question. Um, a little bit more than, uh, than they must have expected too. So thank you to whoever you were for, for that question as well. So the final three questions of the, the season for us this year, this comes from user named uh, Mythlond. Uh, which driver or team had the worst luck this season in your opinion? Tyler, I'll start with you. Well, that's a, that's a good one. Um, hmm. Is that a safer Staffen? Like, he did have really bad <laughs> you luck. Yeah, you could say that. 
Um, I'm going to go with that right now, it, it, which is silly because he won the world championship, but he had a lot of bad luck this year. Of course, he had a lot of good luck, and it kind of counteracted itself at the, in, you know, with Latifi uh, crashing. Um, but he had a lot of bad luck this year. So I, I'm going to go with Max Verstappen. Might sound silly, but... Um, bad luck for driver, I'm going to go with Kimi Raikkonen. Um, and then for team, I'm going to go with Aston Martin. Yeah. Good picks. I think for bad luck, you have to go with bad luck Bottas for 2021. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the week-long pit stop in Monaco, the messed up strategies and other different things. I know Valtteri didn't have the best of seasons, but next to Verstappen, I think that, yeah, he'd probably be the driver with the worst luck this season. But that's kind of something that he's had in his whole Formula One career. So, But I actually do agree with you, Tyler, on the Verstappen front, just because, you know, had certain things gone his way earlier in the season, we probably never would have even gotten Abu Dhabi to begin with. So, yeah, it's, that's an interesting one. So thanks for that question. Uh, final question, or the penultimate question, comes from Sven W., Sven, who I recognize uh, from the Netherlands from our way back in the beginning of the season on our preseason testing live streams. He was a, a regular contributor there. Uh, so he asked this question kind of in a... a he's suggesting it in a clickbait tone for a, maybe a separate video, but he says, uh, did Lewis deserve the title more than Max and why? Or why Lewis deserved this title more than Max? Um, since Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton seem to feel that they did. Uh, he says, also, I think the new cars for next year will be a catalyst for a lot of dis discussions and video topics, which I definitely agree with that. I think the cars are going to be very interesting next year. Um, and he just rounds it off by saying, Max did say the new cars are going to be a few seconds slower per lap than this year's car, and this year's car might be the fast fast in the corners if it even isn't the quickest car when it comes down to raw speed. And I actually am hearing that the cars of next year will be much faster than they originally expected, and they will be a little bit slower, but I think they will might even catch up to this year's cars maybe by the end of the season, which should be interesting. But let's address Sven's question in the beginning. Uh, did, did Lewis deserve the title more than Max? No, not in my opinion. He had a phenomenal season. Um, Max had a better season. I, I would have been, like I said in the Abu Dhabi recap, I would have been very happy with either driver winning a championship. They both deserve the championship. Um, but if you're going to who deserved it more, I would say Max uh, deserved it more. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I, you know, Max won more races. He was there for the qualifying. Um, and I, I'm for our question beforehand if he didn't experience some bad luck throughout the year there would be no competition in abu dhabi happening at all between lewis and max so yeah i i think he totally deserved it and um so what was the was there a late like a second part of that question too no it was just more uh more just a comment talking about next year's cars and how much faster or slower they're going to be yeah no I, I i think max totally deserved that championship and i'm that's why I was honestly very happy to see it go down to the last lap and, you know, fight for, you know, whatever happened all season, it's down to that one lap to see who deserves it more or who wants it more, I guess. Yep, well said. Both deserving champions, but I do think Verstappen was the much better driver throughout 2021 and ultimately did deserve that little bit of luck that went his way, regardless of if we all still believe that Mercedes were hard done by by the stewards in the FIA. But nonetheless, you can't take this championship away from Max Verstappen. 
So thanks to Sven for that question. And the final question is from Liquor Food, who says, who had the faster car over the entire season, Red Bull or Mercedes? And now, this is a very interesting question because this has gone back and forth all year long. And I don't think that we can actually give an answer because I believe that they, those two cars were so even throughout the year that small little tangible things made the difference, like tire temperatures, track surfaces, different things like that, I think, really made the difference. I believe... Certainly in the last five, six races, Mercedes had the faster car because Red Bull lost a significant amount of performance in relation to the rest of the field, not just Mercedes. But I do believe that in the beginning of the year, Red Bull had an advantage in their car. Excuse me. They had an advantage over their car, but I think that they had an easier time finding the right setup window for the RB16B, whereas Mercedes were only able to unlock the potential of their car after the updates in Silverstone. So I don't know if we can even say that there was one car was faster than the other because it kind of really ebbed and flowed throughout the whole season. My answer is going to be Mercedes. And this is why Chris, who had the fastest car at the end of the season when all the upgrades are in and you, you're supposed to be at your peak. It Mercedes. was Mercedes. So in my opinion, although it was close throughout the year and, and you know, Red Bull had the faster car at the midway point of the season, Red, uh, Mercedes had the fastest car when you know, it all came down to it. So my answer is going to be Mercedes. Uh, my answer is also Mercedes, but I also think that Red Bull never had the fastest car all year. I think they just had the fastest driver. Uh, and again, I'm going to bring it down to numbers. 11 fastest laps won by Mercedes uh, all year compared to the eight. Um, and... It's one of the reasons, I don't know if I mentioned this in a podcast, but I've definitely talked about it with my friends. I want qualifying to be just one car. You know, you get you, you get your you get your starting lap, you get to go around and you start your one lap. And that way there is no competition or like decisiveness between which one is the fastest car in each lap. It is decided between the qualifying lap and what you showed in raw pace. And I think that should, you know, it kind of decides what's going to be the fastest car at the end of the season. But if we're going by strict numbers, Mercedes was the fastest car all season. Like, they, there's a few races that Red Bull won fastest lap only because they were in the prime position to get DRS, um, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think I agree with Tyler. I think Mercedes had the uh, fastest car all season. I don't think there was a – there was a competition, but I think they were the clear winner. Yeah, fair enough. And that makes Verstappen's championship all the more impressive if they definitely indeed had the faster car. So, yeah, that's very interesting. Thank you all to your questions. They've submitted that on the community tab on our YouTube channel. Like I said, we're always open on social media as well if you have any questions, usually for our podcast. But, gentlemen, that was uh, our lengthiest podcast of the year. But what else do we expect for what was an absolutely incredible 2021 season? And just from all of us, I know you guys are probably going to have some final comments as well. But thank you to everybody out there who have tuned into the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast because this is something that obviously we started five years ago now, almost in 2018. And it was really the three of us just doing this, what we're doing right now, rambling on about Formula One. And it was a very small audience at the time. And it's been growing, growing every year since then. And really to be able to do this in a great season like this, we've been waiting for this ever since we started our podcast. We got a little glimpse of it in our 2018, our first year, but nothing compared to what 2021 was like. So we really appreciate everybody listening, everybody sharing their opinions, whether we disagreed or not. We really do thank you for all your support. So I thank you guys as well, Shaker and Tyler, for making time throughout the year. 
with your schedules to jump on these podcasts, doing them late at night, doing them earlier, whatever it is, weekends, weekdays, after work. We all made it work through Zoom here this year. So thank you to you both. And I'll leave the final comments to you guys for this year. Oh, yeah, Chris, I uh, echo your, your statement to our supporters. Uh, thank you very much to everyone who has supported us over uh, the years. And if you're new for this season, well, we welcome you on it. And thanks for tuning in for this uh, wonderful season it was in 2021. It's been uh, awesome to see this channel grow. I know we were just doing this for fun, and uh, we all have a good time uh, when we're doing it. And um, we'll, we'll see where the channel goes, but uh, we, with all the support you guys have, uh, we're really loving what we do. So thank you to the supporters. And Chris, I want to thank you as well for all the hard work uh, that you did this season for uh, putting out all those extra videos uh, that go along with the podcast, um, doing a lot of the editing behind the scenes and uh, staying up late at night to get these videos out. So I want to thank you as well for doing that. And uh, Shaker, I want to thank you for being on the podcast as a you know, a new dog owner, uh, making the time, <laughs> making the time, and uh, it's always awesome to chat with you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think I was away the most on all these podcasts this year, so you know, thank you guys for you know working with my schedule on some of those days where I was working like 12, 14 hour days on film sets. So, and um, yeah, I mean, thank you to all our supporters, and I think I say say it every year, we wouldn't do this if we didn't like it and people watched it you know like to have the feedback that we do on a lot of our comments and stuff you know we say all the time we love the comments and you know we love to you know we will talk shit if we want to but like <laughs> no we, we genuinely enjoy getting those comments and reading them and it makes you know what we do so much more interesting because we know there's people watching it's not just us talking to each other and you know hoping for the hoping for the best so yeah i really appreciate all the support and like tyler mentioned chris for all i think you put in the most hard work these yeah. last few like last two years with covid and everything all the behind the scenes work that you do that nobody knows about it's not just us recording the podcasters graphics work and a bunch of other stuff that goes behind it and editing and you know obviously following along with all the storylines you know it's it's chris that brings them to us and we we, we talk about it so it is, he does a lot of work behind the scenes that nobody ever knows about so no no thank you guys for those words and yeah you know shit hit the fan in the last two years and of course it's been pretty difficult time but me not working as much in my regular job means that i had more time for this so trying to make this into hopefully what will be a, a long career covering formula one and some of the new videos that i put out this year some worked that some that didn't but this is an opportunity maybe for the fans out there to make some suggestions of what type of extra content they'd like to see on our channel for 2022 we're always going to have the podcast with the three of us and whenever you guys have time you jump in on extra videos but the podcast will always be something that we do as a trio because it's how we started and that's how it's always going to be until one of us decides to retire and never do it again but <laughs> it won't be for a while i'm sure so any content suggestions drop them in the comment section down below or just send us an email the backmarkers f1 show at gmail.com for any suggestions and if you do like to support the channel further other than just watching and subscribing we do have some donation links in the description below if you are kind enough to give us some money of course not necessary i know everybody's pretty tight for money nowadays so your support means all the more if you just at least watch our videos give it a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel is enough but the links are there just in case you want to support further so that'll do it for the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast in 2021. We do have a few more videos coming out for this year, and then we're going to take some time off in January, and then we'll be back close to the end of January getting ready for the preseason of 2022. It's going to be here a lot quicker than you guys imagine. 
We'd like to we'd like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. Really enjoy yourselves, guys. Enjoy everything that this year had to offer from an exceptional Formula One season. It's been a privilege. So for Tyler McDonald, Shaker Barty, I'm Chris Cato for the last time signing off this year. Take care, guys.